Hello, Bill. Hello, welcome. So today I'm here talking with Tiffany. Uh, you're gonna have to actually. We're gonna we're gonna have to redo this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, wait. Tiffany Hall Scarmana. Did I say it correctly? Yeah, you did. All right. Uh, so uh, we forgot to talk about your bio. We've worked together off and on uh, for many years now. So I'm going to let you take a few minutes and tell everybody about you. Who are you? What do you do? Oh, wow. Okay. Pressure. Um, <laughs> let's see. I've been doing makeup for over the past 16 years. Um, I started with L'Oreal Paris. So I was on their pro team doing anything and everything, like probably a lot of makeup artists starting more in the retail platform and worked my way up. I was doing training courses, developing for them, traveling across the US uh, events. I was Sundance Film Festival and kind of started to part ways with them. Part of the freelance spectrum and was doing um, work with Stila Cosmetics and weddings, you know, any sort of photo shoot gig that I could get my paws on. And then I kind of got linked up with ESPN and that's been my, my bread and butter and something I love um, to be a part of for the past almost nine years. And here I am talking with you. That's yes, that's great. Now, now we've worked with uh, together a couple of times on photo shoots with different photographers mm -hmm. local. And I know that although you're a makeup artist, you have some background and knowledge on the hair end. Can you share with our audience your connection and expertise in that background? Yeah. So I'm no guru like yourself, Bill, but <laughs> I'm sure um, as well, like when we get to work with other professionals, especially in a creative environment, I love to watch. I love to watch people in their creative process. I learn so much and get inspired um, so much, but it really kind of started the root of it with L'Oreal because I was doing a massive amount of training and developing training programs for them. It was on all of their products. So I kind of got thrown in to hair color hairstyling, learning from the best, our celebrity colorist in the tech center who worked on all of our spokespeople and kind of getting a really good basis and fundamental of what hair is as far as processing all the way through to styling. And of course, as I'm sure you know, sometimes when we are on set or do creative projects, it's kind of survival that you stumble across having to get out of your lane. And for me, that was getting into hair styling. It's a lot of times you will find the budget just isn't there to have a hair and a um, makeup artist separately. So you kind of do have to learn the basics of how to hairstyle. And especially on the road with ESPN, um, a specific talent that I worked with for almost nine years, I mean, I've learned how to do her hair and it's just become a way of who I am now. However, I do not claim myself as a hairstylist because <laughs> I don't want that pressure because I'm not there, but I do have a basic understanding and I've actually like grown to really enjoy it. And I think that only makes you even more marketable as an artist to learn all the different facets that go into the complete look. 
Yeah. I'd say even even with your limited scope of hair, I'd say you're probably more talented than than most. I think it's interesting to to see how that happens over time because you're having to work oh. in that genre. You definitely develop a skill set that most people don't have, but you don't you're not really aware of it until someone asks you a question. You're like, oh my God, yeah, I, totally. I do know this. So Absolutely. I'd give you more credit than that. You're probably better than most at, at uh, hair. Well, yes. I mean, I try and I think I do. And I think you have to try and you have to fail and you have to learn from each session and be like, okay, and really examine your work. You can't just throw something out there and not look at how it translates. Absolutely. You have to train your eye. Whether, and I, I'm sure that you agree with that too, whether it's here. Right. I and I think when I work with stylists, or if they're trying to work on a different genre of um, hair or even makeup, how do you finish it? Right. Like you can get the fundamentals there and the baseline there, but like, how do you finish it to make it look polished? Right. Hello. Hello. So I'm going to move you right into question number two. We got we got cut off there. So that's actually what you were just talking about leads us into that, and that is, what are your thoughts on talent, developing skills? What does it take, and what would you recommend? for uh, the process of learning to someone starting off in the industry? Absolutely. I think that you need to dabble in everything. Um, I think as your career goes along, you are able to kind of zero down to what you want your focus to be and your passion to be. But for me personally, I started in theater. So I went to UConn for a bachelor's in theater studies. So I learned everything there was about theater from the lighting board to sound to costume to acting everything so i think even with hair and makeup it's not just about learning about just makeup or just hair you need to learn about lighting you need to learn about photography you need to learn about what makes editorial versus runway look differentiate between the two um, what is tv all of these different facets it's good for you to have a well-rounded knowledge of them and I think that's where I see people kind of pigeonhole themselves where they well I just want to do you know I want my look in a magazine so I'm just going to focus on that but I think you can only do yourself a disadvantage if you just focus on one avenue so I'm not sure about you Bill but I know at the beginning of my career I remember good old model mayhem was like my go-to I would yeah, I would join like photo shoots. I would do so much stuff for free just so I can get work and just so I can get um, work in my portfolio and just get the knowledge, the networking skills, all of that. Because that's really what it's about. I mean, there's so many people that I've stayed connected with throughout the years just from networking and word of mouth, all of that. So I really think you have to open your mind on how you want to educate yourself. You also have to know it's going to take a lot of hard work 
to get to where you want to be. And then you're still working. Like you're still going to want to push yourself. You're still going to want to motivate yourself and become better. So you have to just be prepared to do anything and everything and try to, you know, take notes from the lessons learned. Cause there are a lot of lessons you are going to learn throughout your career. It sounds like, like you had referenced a website that yes, we both remember. And I, I, you know, I think now a lot of people use Instagram for that one spot. Like it definitely is a, a one-stop shop for everything, whether it's your portfolio, your, your uh, social life or everything. It's become slightly different now. I think almost, you know, it's not as broken up as it may have uh, been at one time, but even as simple as using your social media. Absolutely. I, I think, is there, some advice you could give to, again, whether it's entry level or advanced, this, this information is great for someone who's been doing it for a few years too. And that would be Mm -hmm. getting your social media in line with what your brand is. Yeah. I think it's that B word brand is so important. And I remember hearing that word vaguely in the beginning of my career, but it definitely has become more of a staple throughout the years. And especially with social media, listen, I try to fight social media sometimes because I think there are a lot of disadvantages to it. However, as far as it comes to our industry with Mark, we advantage to ourselves by not utilizing it because it's free marketing and it's all about visuals. And that's what we're about in this industry. So I think it's about, I, I remember, losing you tiffany you're cutting in and out to write like a free flow of yep sorry (laughs) you're clear now go ahead okay i i remember um taking a tablet and writing down like what is my brand and kind of a free flow of words i thought my brand would be and so you have to think about like what is your look what is your style? Like, who are you maybe catering towards? Like, maybe if you're more advanced into your career, maybe you want to focus more on bridal. Maybe you want to focus more editorial. Maybe you want to do. Really think. And who you are and really make sure there's a cohesiveness with your um, Instagram. Um, if you want to do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and link them all together. If you want to go down the TikTok route, which I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out for the life of me. Um, and also kind of stories are huge right now. You know, we're in such a fast paced society. Of course, that's kind of right. that we're experiencing. But we love stories. We love something that's kind of quick and it's, it's more animated. There's also IGTV, I think, which is great too. So that way you can record and it can live a little bit longer on your Instagram. Um, so really mixing it up. Don't just kind of, you know, cater to one little facet in your social media. So it's really kind of designing and planning and being very clear about like what you want to share. And I think it's important to, you know, I kind of battle with this and I don't know if you did too, Bill, when you first kind of establish your professional Instagram, do you want a separate personal one too? Oh yeah. And 
Yeah. And I come to find that people still want to see a little bit of your personal life because it humanizes you. You're not just like this stylist, this worker bee, this, this person that puts out all this beautiful work. They want to see who makes you and what inspires you. Important to have kind of a, a nice sprinkle and a balance of both your professional and yes, your personal. I agree with you. I think it's it's yeah, it's it's people want to see the human side to that work. It makes it more attainable and you're not as yes. um, uh, you know, out of reach or out of touch from them. There's more of a connection. So absolutely I agree. So next question that I have for you and a lot I of this, say too, like to, well, to, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say too, with there's so many apps out there that edit photos. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I love seeing, you know, I would love to see my face with no pores, <laughs> trust me. But I also want to say, don't be afraid of putting raw photos out there too. And, you know, give kind of a mix Again, you're going to know like what you want your brand to speak upon and maybe a little editing never hurt anybody, but don't over edit. Cause I feel like we've kind of gotten to this world where we put up this portrait of a perfect image. Right. And then when you get clients in the chair, I know this has happened to me so many times. I want to look like a Kardashian. Okay, great. Show me a photo. I want to look exactly like this. And they're also maybe 30 years older than a Kardashian. And I'm thinking right, to myself, right. I'm like, I am not a magician. So right. you need to, <laughs> yeah, it does there's set. a reality yeah. it does set <laughs> that we need to still be, yeah, we need to still represent the reality and the imperfect perfect of, of what it is. Yeah. I agree. I agree over Eddie. And I think we've been through, you and I've gone through those conversations before as well. I tend to, with most of the work I put out there, it's, it's not as edited and I get that response back a lot of times where people will be like, well, there's a hair here or there's a hair there. And being on shoots with some pretty high level people in our industry, it's hair, it's there. And I would imagine the makeup is right. the same way. It's not flawless. There are minor imperfections. You, Although I've watched your work and at times I, I really can't find any imperfection. I'm sure another makeup artist, <laughs> no, but I don't there. see it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, it's so true. And I, and here's the thing, you know what I, when I do makeup, my mindset is I want this makeup to look as flawless as I can with my eye. So when it's on a HD camera, <laughs> I want to make sure, you know, I try to look through my eyes like an HD camera would look at that face. And that's kind of my mindset. So I think very like clean, polished. I think you're really good at that too. It's like very clean, polished, but there's always going to be a straight hair. There's always going to be a wrinkle, you know? Yeah. It's- yeah. And sometimes that's refreshing. I think it happens. I, I think. It, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because it 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 keeps it a bit more real. It's not so uh, unrealistic. You know, it's, it's it kind of what we were saying. Yeah. So next question I have for you is, and again, you've we've overlapped. Yeah. You've probably answered some of this already, but you know, just touch on it real real quick. How would you define mm-hmm. success for uh, people coming up through already there and tagging onto that 
staying true to their creative self. Mm. Wow, the definition of success. I think they've been trying to figure that out since the <laughs> time, right? Um, <laughs> I think it changes throughout your career and you have to be okay with that. You have to be, I think that's the first thing is knowing that your goals in the beginning of your career and that definition of success is going to change for you. I know for me in the beginning, it was like, I just want my name to be in lights. I want people to know my work. I want to make money. I want to do all these things. I want to be in demand. And that's changed for me. Like I definitely still want, of course, financially, we all want to be uh, taken care of and especially from our work. But now it's become to the point, it's like I, for me, success is I want to just love what I do. And I want to always love what I do. I want my clients to be happy. I want people to miss me when I'm gone, like to be like, man, I wish. And I think now during quarantine is a huge time to really see like what our value is as well, because we've all had space from one another. (laughs) Success for me is like, I just want I want that balance. And I think in the beginning of my career, I was so career driven. It was all I would do. I sacrificed and took myself away from so much like family, friends, all of that. I didn't understand what balance meant. And now I do. And I feel like for me, that success, it's that happiness and that peace of being able to have balance. And it's also the peace knowing like, it's okay to say no to stuff sometimes. It's okay to say no to gigs. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get the opportunity again. It just meant it wasn't right for you. And I think really listening to your inner, I call it my inner witch vibe or your inner gut, your instinct about if something doesn't feel right or speak to who you are as a artist, then Mm -hmm. don't do it. And that's so important. And I think like what you asked, how do we stay true to who we are? and not conform or copy or just kind of fall in line with like everyone else before us. I think that we can all be inspired because that's what art is. We all inspire one another. So I can look at another artist and I can replicate it, but no one's going to do it like they do and no one's going to do it how you do. So you are to develop your own style throughout your career. And sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't. I feel like people point it out to me more and I go, oh, I didn't realize that I had like a style. <laughs> I thought I was yeah. just, you know, I, they're like, no, no, no. I can tell your eyes from when someone else does. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Sometimes your clients will point that out to your other professionals. But I think that you will develop that and don't conform that because that's what makes you, you. And that's what makes people love your work because you're not going to always jam and mesh with everyone not everyone's always going to like your style, but that doesn't mean you have to change it. And I think that's so important. You can still um, improve on it and polish because there's always room for that until the day you die, but don't change your complete style just because a couple of people didn't like it. That just means that you're not the right fit for them. Right. That's great. And that's, that is a, an uneasy feeling when you're in that situation because you, like oh, you yeah. said, you, 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 I think we do take it personal rather than realizing this is an opportunity that's being handed to us to figure out who are we and what are our skills? Yes. What is our strong suit? That's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. 
how yeah. next question, how do you stay calm when working under pressure and oh. when someone questions your skill? Mm. Well, the calm part has definitely been challenged uh, towards me with working with ESPN. I have been in the midst of beauty chaos so many times, whether it's on the sidelines of the beginning of an NBA game or during halftime of a game, World Series, like, and there's so much chaos going around you. Um, I like to meditate even when I'm not working and I used to fight it, but then I thought about it. I was like, actually, I think I actually meditate when I'm working because you're able to tune out everything else that is around you, still be aware, but, and just focus on the task at hand. So even if you're doing a wedding and it's leading up and everyone's done and you're trying to get everyone out the door and it's last minute looks. Um, or if you're working on a photo shoot and they're on a time crunch because they're par- paying everyone hourly, like there's always going to be pressure. I kind of love it. It's kind of like this adrenaline rush, but at the same time, it stresses me out. But <laughs> I think meditation has helped. And it's just something that I've kind of relied on. And I have been challenged before. And throughout the years, my attitude and response has calmed down a little bit. I have to be honest, like in the beginning, you take it so personal because it's your art, it's your work, right? But you have to realize at the end of the day, it's not your face or your, you know, that head of hair, it's not yours. You don't have ownership over it. It's your client. So I will always kind of take a step back listen to them and offer my advice Um, Because at the end of the day, we are the professionals. And I I would like to think that they come to us for our expertise, but they're always going to have an opinion. And especially now with social media and there's so much out there, everyone, you know, everyone thinks they're a hair and makeup artist. Oh yeah. And there's so many opportunities to to give you a critique. Yes. So they're, they're going to let you know, honey, they're going to tell you and you have to be ready but you have to, you know, take a step back. And you know what's great about it? It humbles you. Because I, I have seen so many people that have thrown modesty and, and being humble out the window, the more success they get. And they forget the journey that it took to get to where they are. So little moments like that are just the universe humbling you, just keeping you grounded. Right. <laughs> So how all this entire conversation began with uh, the interview process with you, you're, you are our first interview here at NAB and that yeah. the whole concept of the brand began with silly stories about client interaction. So we're going to springboard right into that next question. And the next question is, tell me about the craziest client experience you've ever had. And if you want to share names, go ahead. But no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still want to be employed when we come out of quarantine. Well, no. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll semi-use. Okay, so I was thinking about this because I know that I've had so many of them. And some I can't name until the end of my career. And I write a book one day. So <laughs> ESPN can't fire me. Um, but I will say one of my craziest. I've got to stop really you just defined, for a second because you're much yeah. kinder than I am. Because in, in, in the book that I wrote about the stories, I named them all. Um, 
Oh yeah, get it. I love it. I mean, I love it. I don't have those balls yet, Bill. I don't have Bill balls yet, so I can't do it. Oh no, they seemed okay. They seemed okay oh, with it. Okay, good. There you go. I love it. No, well, this one actually really defined my backbone and gave me thick skin. So back in the day, this is probably about a probably about 10 years ago. Um, I was working with Project Runway. So it was Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. It was the finale. And so we have like over 80 models, right? And if anyone's worked on a runway show, you know you have a key makeup artist that kind of established looks. And then they go through them with you. And then you go ahead and reiterate them on the models. Um, this very well-known at the time makeup artist Billy B. I'm going to go ahead and name the name. I'm going to give you some Bill Balls right now. I know him. I've worked with him before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Billy B. So he was, I mean, one of the top celebrity makeup artists Mm -hmm. of that time. He was our key makeup artist. And he kept changing the look every five seconds. So by the time I got to touching up last looks on the models before they went out, now I'm with L'Oreal Paris at this time too. So I'm branded with L'Oreal Paris shirt. There's cameras everywhere. I have, I have Michael Kors and Nina Garcia and Heidi Klum standing to the right of me and I'm doing a touch. So, you know, I'm trying to look poised and do my job at the same time amidst chaos. Well, here he comes and kind of boots, tries to boot me out of the way and goes, what are you doing? Do you not know how to do makeup? This is not the, the makeup look I established. And inside I literally died (laughs) and I thought to myself I am mortified all these people and the camera are on me I I pray to God this hits the editing floor which no him push I I said to him I go all due respect change the lip a million times so I was going based off the last shade that I remember you stating. And he tried to boot me out of the way. And I, I stayed still, Bill, like my feet were <laughs> magnetic to the floor. Yeah. I was like, I am not doing this with a smile. But meanwhile, I was dying inside. So after the camera left me, I ran back and I actually like had tears in my eyes. Yeah. I thought to myself, I'm like, I am mortified yeah. because everyone's looking at me like this. Oh, this poor girl, uh, <laughs> newbie rookie. She don't know what she's doing. But I remember coming home the whole drive home from from New York to Connecticut. And I was like in tears. And then I said to myself, you know what? You're going to pick yourself up. You knew what you were doing was, you know, that you were sticking and doing your job. Right. And it's okay. Like this is going to happen a million more times and you are going to handle it and you're going to learn from it and you're going to move on. And I'll never forget that moment. But dear Lord, I wanted that moment to be over. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) And I think, you know, and I, I, I think I've shared, you know, like I said with you, I've shared many stories over the years of, of situations that you, you just, you draw drops because you're, you're like, what is going on? And for those out there that aren't aware of it, those are high stress situations. Everybody's stressed. That person's Mm -hmm. career depends upon it. And a lot of times it's, it's the, I've watched this happen and and it might've been that situation. And I've watched it happen where they come in with an original look, they start the day off and the designer changes their mind. 
And then yes. in the designer, in some cases, depending on who they are, they've got a, uh, a, a very unique way of communicating and they're not willing to admit that, no, this isn't the original we talked about. We talked about this. And right. you're looking at them like, wait a minute, that is not the look we talked about. That is not where we're going. And it, you know, like you said, you, you develop thick skin and you determine early on who you want to work with or who you don't want to work with. And, uh, and, and I won't ask you that question about that, but definitely from the description, those are some uncomfortable situations. <laughs> Absolutely. So with, with that, I'm glad you survived it and I'm glad you kept going. So, uh, <laughs> and we didn't lose you to, uh, to that experience. Thank you. I'm here to live, right. to tell the story. So on a more somber note, um, we're all going through uh, COVID-19 right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I know that your work relies on interacting with people, being out there face to face on a daily basis. Um, how has it affected you and your work? And where do you see it potentially changing when everything does normal? Well, there's been a lot of wine. Um there's crying, but you know, I, it's kind of weird to feel a little disposable at this time. And I think it's okay to talk about how vulnerable we feel because we're all kind of going through it and we've never gone through it before. You know, my career, I definitely have been looking at it through a different lens at this moment, thinking to myself, okay, like this, I don't want to think it's the end because it's not. We will recover. It will be a different norm and we will learn how to evolve. But you definitely wonder what else can I be doing during this time or as I move on, you know, what different facets of my, are my strengths or my weaknesses? And you're exploring that part of yourself and definitely reflecting. And that's what I've been doing. I never thought in my life that sports would affect my life so much. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of the first things to take a pause and that dramatically changed my life because my whole career has kind of been based around that for the past nine years. So I, you know, I'm going to look going into back into the new norm with a different mindset that, and you should kind of look at this anyway that we should never have all our eggs in one basket we should always kind of have them sprinkled around and you're not only good at one thing too so you have to explore what those other things are and i i am very grateful though for this pause because i don't know about you but when you keep grinding and you kind of feel robotic at sometimes and stagnant and sometimes your creativity just feels at a pause too it's been great to have these moments to kind of really live life, explore different creativity skills, whether it's drawing, painting, dancing, singing, whatever, and enjoying and appreciate the time that we have. But I will say, I'm ready to get back. (laughs) I I miss it. And it's not just the finance part. Obviously we all need money and this is why we work, but it's just, I miss interacting with people. I miss being creative. I miss painting faces. I miss the chaos of it all. And I love who it's made me. And I'm very excited on how it's going to keep 
kind of evolving me and seeing where it's going to go. And I'm kind of excited for the journey. So I think we all need to just keep putting out into the universe for this to kind of get cleared up so we can get back into the groove of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. With you on that, I think we all are kind of feeling that wanting to get our hands back to work. Mm -hmm. So if you could give one final piece of professional advice to a newcomer or someone trying to break into the industry with what you do, the work you do, what would that mm-hmm. be? I would say reach out to anyone and everyone that you know that is in the industry, whether you know them or not. Be ballsy. I, I think that's the best. Don't um, let fear stand in the way of what you really want to do. If fear wasn't in your way, like what and how would you act? So I think even if you are in a small town in the Midwest, I don't care, reach out to your local news station, ask them to, if you could come in and do makeup tutorials, even if you do them for free the first couple of times, reach out to local photographers, wedding photographers, local makeup artists that are established if they need an assistant, do anything and everything to get your foot in the door and and make and just remind yourself that you do have the confidence to do it. I think that's one of the things we forget that we have the ability to kind of conquer anything. We just let fear stand in our way. So I think really put your goals and your confidence first, and that's going to be your driving force to succeed at what you really want in your career. Well. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day. I know that you're a busy, busy lady right now, especially at home. Um, But uh, before I let you completely go, I am going to have you do one more thing. And that is you sing a song that best describes you. Ah. And then I (laughs) will, will lead out with that. I'll let you go ahead. Okay. I'm going to say this is perfect for living the quarantining life right now, because all I want to do is I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yeah. I want to dance with somebody. With somebody who loves me. There you go, Bill. All right, Tiffany. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much for having me. Love you. All right. Okay. Once again, thank you for listening to Not Always Beautiful, Always Entertaining. Take a look below, click that link, follow us, reach out to us, whether you liked us or not, give us some information. Let us know what we should talk about in the future. Again, Bill Charlotte, Not Always Beautiful, Always Entertaining. Thank you for listening.